He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he yeah, is. He's, he's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look, look at this. Brett is out. Uh, David Mann, he is out and having to be forcibly restrained while hitting too much pot tar. <laughs> <laughs> way too much Johnny Black, of course, returning returning to the show. Uh, so welcome back. Long time no no talk. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Good to be back. Excited about the Hall of Fame announcements. Yeah, of course, it's going to be controversial again with all with the steroid users. You know, of course, we're talking about that a lot. Um, but we each have our own opinion on that. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about how we both think that. Bonds and Clemens should both be in, and they should have been in at this point from like from the start, really, just because they yeah. they I mean they were Hall of Famers before the steroids, so they should definitely be in on this ballot. And if they're not, there's going to be hell to pay, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think the steroid thing. <clears throat> I would go into this more later as we go down our ballot or whatever, but uh, I think the steroid thing has to be. Kind of like a, kind of like a swinging point, almost at this point. Especially, especially guys like Bonds and Clemens, who never technically tested positive. You know, people can make the argument: A. Rod and Manny Ramirez, they got caught, they got suspended, and stuff like that. So, if you want to make that a dividing line, I understand that thought process also. So, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that if that's your thought process. The, the thing the thing that I don't like about some of these ballots, especially coming out from the writers, is that some of them just don't seem 
educated at all as far as and there's no consistency in it like you'll see within a ballot that there's no consistency in it they'll vote for one guy and not for another for some strange reason or whatever but we'll get into that as we go along yeah i agree um no especially these blank ballots that people are turning in it's just ridiculous like there's guys on this ballot that deserve to get in, not even people, even guys that aren't steroid users, like Scott Rowland. That's one that's, if you don't want to go with, all, if you want to just avoid all anything related to steroids, you have other guys that are, that deserve it as well. So I just don't understand how you can get, get a ballot and just turn it in like the way it is. Well, the thing I don't understand about the blank ballot either is if you're not going to vote for anyone, don't turn in a ballot. Yeah. You know, because if you turn in a blank ballot, that counts against the percentage. So if you turn in a blank ballot, you're basically voting no for everyone on that ballot. So that hurts their percentage. So out of the 400, I think it's 401 ballots this year or whatever that are like people eligible to vote. You know, if you don't turn in a ballot, that ballot's not counted as that 401 so the percentage percentage wise, it's not counted at that. So instead of needing two hundred and oh, three hundred, three hundred one votes out of the four hundred and one ballots, you don't turn in the ballot. It goes down to four hundred. So now you only need three hundred. You know what I'm saying? Like the percentage changes. But if you turn in a blank ballot, you're basically voting no for these people. So you're turning in a ballot and you're saying, no, none of these people deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, which that's why I think submitting a blank ballot is just wrong. Yeah, I don't get it. And that's what that, that's what really bugs me. Uh, but the other ones that bug me, too, is when they vote, when somebody votes for Bonds, but then not Clemens or the, or the other way around. Like. They I don't like it doesn't make sense. Why did why one, not the other? I just. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't understand it either. I mean, Bonds got eight more votes than Clemens last year. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why is that? They're basically mirror images of each other. One's a hitter. One's a pitcher. Right. One 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 seven Cy Youngs. The other one seven MVPs. I mean, is that we're, we're talking about basically this? And they played at the same time, the same time frame. They're both on the tenth year of their ballot. Like it's a, you know, they're contemporaries. They they play their peers. They played at the same time in baseball. It's not like one played like 10 years earlier or whatever, where there's like, okay, you can go by era and say, okay, this guy dominated this era. But this guy didn't really dominate his, or whatever. I mean, the two of them are, you know, among the greatest of all time. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. You know. That's, yeah. why I think the whole, that's why I think the steroid thing has to be like, I, I think it should weigh swing one way or the other same thing with the character clause mm-hmm. i think it should swing one way or the other. i think if someone was as dominant as bonds or clemens i think it should be a hall of fame and no no doubt yeah i mean this should be a no-brainer i don't care character clause i don't care that the you know steroids whatever they're so they were so far above and beyond everyone else that played at that time you know they should be in now, if you're looking at guys who are kind of on the fence, say like a Sammy Sosa, you know, someone like that who's kind of like, all right, well, you can make an argument where he wasn't, all he was was a power hitter, you know, and that power came from, you know, we all know where it came from. So, I mean, you know, then, then I could see almost the argument for that, but... And even like I said before, like the Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, who both were suspended after the steroid testing went into place. If you want to make draw that line in the sand, that's fine too. Okay, if you don't want to vote for Manny or A-Rod because you feel that they knew that this was wrong, they knew they were testing and they knew they would get suspended and they still took that chance anyway and got caught. Okay, if you want to make that line in the sand, that's fine. I wouldn't. I would still, I still think they should be in, but you know, that's my point of view. But if you're going to, you know, what I'm saying is if you're going to do that ballot, 
and make that distinction? Well, then make that distinction clear. Don't vote for Manny or A-Rod then. All right. You know, don't vote for one and not the other. Because Manny, I mean, granted, A-Rod was a shortstop, an all-around player. He was great. But Manny Ramirez was one of the best right-handed hitters to possibly ever play the game. I mean, so you can't tell me his stats don't warrant Hall of Fame induction. Uh-huh. So it's the same thing you're saying about Bonds and Clemens. How can you vote for one, not the other? I would say the same thing about Ramirez and A-Rod. Although A-Rod was a better fielder, played a different position and everything like that. I would say both of their stats warrant induction easily. And they were both suspended for steroids after that started. So along the same lines, I would say you can't vote for one and not the other, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I it's a fair argument to make to say that you can draw that line and like I, I don't, I'm not gonna get mad at somebody for doing that. It's just for me, if it was me though, like just like you, I would probably vote for any, for all those guys if they deserve it. Like, so I would vote for you know Bonds, Clemens, Ramirez, and A Rod, and then also Big Poppy, of course, because yeah, he didn't even know before it was before the testing even started, so he like essentially he's like on a diff, he's like right in the middle of where the other two are, so. Right, right. Yeah, then you have a lot of a lot of debatable guys, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. But you know, of course then you have Kurt Schilling who's kind of like the outlier in that sense cuz he he's not a steroid guy, but he, <laughs> overall he's kind of a douche. <laughs> I mean, you know, what I mean like he's just with the whole Nazi thing and like everything, I, I, he's just, you know, I don't know. Like he's not a good dude, but it's, you know, that, that is what it is. And then he came out with the thing last year. Like he doesn't even want it. He wants to take his name off the ballot. Right. You know? I, so, I mean, if, if he doesn't even want to be on the ballot, then I don't know if I'd vote for him. Then I just say, all right, fine. What the veterans committee vote for you. Right. Like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's just, it, that whole the whole character clause thing is just weird though. Like you don't know just like what are the specifics to it? Like you you just like those guys in the Hall of Fame already that are have you know iffy iffy character characters to them. So like I don't know how you're supposed to draw the line there. What really? Like I don't know. It's just it's hard to even like put anything on it. Like you. Well, I don't know. You're not explain it really. Well, the one thing with the character clause, which I think, and this, you know, I brought this point up in one of one of my other uh, baseball chats on Twitter. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Bobby Abreu. I'm a real big. I, I really think he should be in the Hall of Fame because consistency is something that's not rewarded in the Hall of Fame. You have to like be, you know, and I get it's the Hall of Fame, so. Stats aren't everything. Fame is part of it. And like the the name you made and what you brought into the game and stuff. But someone like Bobby Abreu is so consistent and so good and an all around player for a long time. All right. Now he's a borderline case. I get it. 60 war over his career. Okay. It's good. It's definitely hall of fame worthy. 2,400 hits, 1,300 ribbies, 1,400 runs, you know, at 870 OPS for his career, you know, 288 home runs, 400 stolen base. He was an all-around good player for a long time, for a good 12, 13-year stretch. Now, granted, people would argue, well, he didn't have the MVP votes. He didn't. You got to remember, he was playing in the National League at that time with Bonds, Pujols, Piazza, Biggio, Bagwell, I mean, how many votes do you think this guy's going to get on a yearly basis for the MVP? He was just consistently 20-20 guy, 30-30 guy a couple times, 100 runs, 100 ribbies, 100 walks. Like, he would just do his thing. But the point I'm getting at is that we use, or the, the writers use the character clause to break someone down. Say, like, Bonds. 
all right, domestic violence stuff back with his first wife and the steroids. And then you have Omar Vizquel with the domestic violence stuff. You have Kurt Schilling with the Nazi stuff, you know, and stuff like that. They use the character clause to say, well, no, I'm going to drop this guy down a notch. I'm not going to vote for him because of that. What about someone like Abreu, who's a debatable case? Abreu is never connected with steroids. He was the Roberto Clemente Award finalist. Uh, I believe it was in 2004, 2003. It was one of the early 2000s, I think it was. So he was a R- Roberto Clemente finalist that year. The guy has been nothing but good, went about his business. Why don't they use the character clause that way to the positive for someone like that? Why does it always have to be that this guy was a great player, but I'm going to use the character clause and not vote for him because he did this, this, and this? Bad. Why don't you use it the other way around? Say, look, Abreu was a borderline. He was a good player for a long time, but was never the greatest player in his era. And I get that. But he was a good guy. He used to buy hundreds of tickets every Friday night in Philly for kids who wanted to come to see the game. Why doesn't that get... Why doesn't, that, why doesn't a writer sit down and say, well, Abreu, I'm kind of on the fence about, but he did this, this, and this. That was good. So I'm going to vote for him. Why don't we ever hear about that? That's part of the problem I have with this voting process. Is that only the negative is is concentrated on with some of these writers. I mean, Scott Rowland, same thing. Scott Rowland put his head down and just played baseball. He never was accused of steroids. Never accused, never had anything. Nothing wrong. Like off the field stuff. Ever. Billy Wagner, same thing. Todd Helton. Well, Todd Helton had DUIs, but... You know, but I'm just saying, like, some of these guys, they deserve a little push. And I think the fact that they didn't do anything off the field to hurt them, and they actually did things to help the community and do things like that, I think should help them in the Hall of Fame voting. I don't think that character clause should be used as a a sword all the time to cut people down. Yeah, I agree with all, everything you said. It's they use the character clause in like in just negative way all the time. They like just it's kind of like an excuse just to not vote for somebody at this point. Like you see anything negative about a player and off the field or on, then you're just like, oh, I'm not going to vote for him. And it's it could be minor, it could be anything. It doesn't have it doesn't even matter. Like it's. They don't even have like they don't say what specific like character like flaws they they should have to be able to to exclude them. It's just whatever you interpret it as. I think really because they they don't really elaborate on what it is like what exactly you're supposed to look for. Right, and I think they leave it subjective on purpose. Yeah, you know, so writers can. Pick and choose how they want to use it, you know. And my whole point was just that they, uh, unfortunately, the writers use it in a negative way and not a positive way, which I don't think is right. Yeah, I think it should be both ways. If you're going to use that character clause, then I think it should be both ways. Yeah, just like I remember one time you said uh, on this pod a while back, probably one of the first episodes, we talked about how, like, some of these guys, you can, they should be in the Hall of Fame. And then when you, you know, whatever, you take your kids, your grandkids to the Hall of Fame, you explain to them their stories and how they, what, what their, you know, their flaws were as well. Like, don't, don't just say, oh, they were, so, they were such a perfect player and pl- person and everything. You tell them every, everything that was wrong with them, too. And that's your job to do, not the voters. So, Right. It's a talking point. And isn't that what, I mean, the Hall of Fame is a museum. And I understand the plaque room, like where the, where the players are, you know. But it's, it's something that, you know, baseball is such an oral history, too. It's, I mean, it's been around for, you know, so many years. 
and it's got such a history. And we don't talk about other Hall of Fames, other sports Hall of Fames like this. Baseball is like a hallowed hall. Like it's it's totally different than the other sports because it's been around for so long. You know, and it only one percent of the players that ever play make it to that room and get their own plaque up. But it's supposed to be passed on from generation to generation. We see it now. I mean, I know, I, you know, I'm my birthday's next month, you know, getting up there. And I have kids and, you know, maybe grandkids soon. Who knows? You know, but it's a generational thing that you talk to other like I, I'm in that, that chat I was talking to you about that I'm in. I'm in a, it's a sabermetrics chat a lot because I like to learn about more analytic stuff. And I'm kind of half and half old school, new school. Like I like some of the analytics. I think I think a lot of the new analytics are a, a little overkill, to, you know. But it's another generation, and it's interesting to talk to these kids who are, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old, and see their view on baseball and how their view of players that they never saw, but I saw play like how their view is on them you know it's interesting what's been passed on because they say like what their their fathers told them or their grandfathers or whoever you know and that's exactly what the baseball hall of fame should be if you're going to the baseball hall of fame with your kids or your grandkids or whatever it's a baseball weekend it's what you're supposed to be talking about so that's why like i said before like you know you have a plaque up there of barry bonds roger clemens well you know in part your opinion on your kid, on your grandkid. Tell them the whole story. That's what it should be about. But for Bonds, the all-time home run king, to not be in there, it's ridiculous. You take Baseball by not having him in there is taking away from the oral narrative that it built the game in the first place. Yeah, and they can even have like a separate, like separate part of the Hall of Fame just for like the steroid error, error or something or stuff like that. Like, yeah, I wouldn't even do that. I mean, you had the dead ball era. Oh yeah, guys dominated back before 1920, before Babe Ruth started hitting home runs. I mean, you know, pitches were looked at differently then. I mean, I look at when I go through the all-time doing the series, the all-time 26-man roster, I look at some of these pitches, and it's hard to compare because I see some of these pitches back in, like, the 1900s, early 1900s. They didn't strike anybody out. No. No one struck out back then. Like, everything was put the bat on the ball, let your fielders do the work. I mean, you got guy, I put a guy, Ted Lyons, on the White Sox all-time roster. He had more walks than strikeouts in his career. But that's the way the game was played back then. Does he mean he's? Does it mean he's worse than anyone else? Like more modern? Not necessarily. Played the game the way the game was played, the, the way they taught it, and he was better than most at that time. So, is what it is, you know. But that's the whole fun of it. That's all fun, putting these rosters together, doing this Hall of Fame stuff, and looking back on players' careers. Yeah. Yeah, I think once we finish them, that would be cool to do, like, like head-to-head matchups, like, of the teams and see how they match up. Like, do, like, a maybe even just maybe, like, a season simulation or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Dude, let me tell you, I just finished the White Sox. I started on the Tigers. Let me tell you something. The Tigers lineup, I would probably put against anybody. Oh, yeah. Their lineup lineup is sick. Yeah, they got some hitters. lineup. Sick lineup. I mean, I have Miguel Cabrera playing third base. I mean, yeah, I mean. Garinger at second, Ty Cobb. I mean, 
Hank Greenberg at first, like they just Alan Trammell, like they 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 had a serious lineup, man. That outfield is sick. Their their whole their whole lineup is sick. They're pitching meh. Yeah, pitching all right, but you know, but their lineup is. I I would put their lineup honestly. I think out of the starting nine, I think six of them are Hall of Famers. Wow. Well, Cabrera would be, (laughs) will be. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun thing to do, but it it, it is a lot. It's a lot of research and stuff, but I mean, I love doing it. So it's time consuming. We're halfway through the league, so we got 15 more to do. But yeah, well, we got no going on right now, so we can. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's another topic, obviously. For, we'll save that for like, our next episode or uh, down. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> let's let's start diving into what our uh, ballots would be. I'll start off. Obviously, we I already talked. We already talked about Bonds and Clemens. So those are the first two for mine. And then I would go with Todd Helton, which we talked about a little bit. Well, he's kind of the guy that's. You know, he just put his dent, his head down and played and, you know, didn't get involved with steroids or anything. He was a very good player for and, – and, you know, the thing with him is kind of the Colorado – the that that argument, um, the Coors effect, of course. Um, but as we've seen over the years with other players, that's really kind of a, a sore argument. It's not really something you can – Unless it's really affecting them, I just—it's really not much of a argument, I don't think. So he's—he just put great up, put up great numbers for his career, and I think he definitely deserves to be in. Uh, another guy was uh, my next guy is Andrew Jones. Uh, he was you know, ten, great ten-year peak, uh, twelve years with the Braves, and he was just really dominant at the at the plate and in the in the field, which he was, you know, the greatest probably. Uh, the greatest center fielder of all time. Um, and just the numbers he put up over those 10 years, his peak were really great. Uh, he he kind of matches up with, um, who did I put? Uh, I said he, his, his peak kind of matches up with Ralph Kiner's peak uh, in the Hall of Fame, his Hall of Fame case. Oh, yeah. Yep. So it's kind of similar. Uh, let's see here. Jones OPS plus 115. Kiner's was 149. Uh, and then F4 six, 60.5 to 40.6. Home runs 345 to Kiner's 369. Uh, he had a 503 OPS to, I mean, 503. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nine. What was it? Nine, nine forty-six OPS or eight forty-six OPS to Kiner's nine fifty-six. So it's kind of it's pretty close there. Uh, th- those are like the peak years. They both had kind of peak years, and Kiner obviously, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. He got in on his last year, so Jones may not get in this year. So maybe he'll he might end up being kind of the same path that Kiner took getting in in his last year. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, then the next guy I have on here is Ortiz, David Ortiz, which we talked about before. Um, you know, he got he got was named in a report in that report uh, that he took that he took steroids during the test, like during the initial run of the test, like they were they didn't even actually it wasn't actually tested yet. They did. So it wasn't official so that's why he's kind of like in the middle of the two of, of bonds and clemens and then ramirez and arod he's kind of in the middle of those two groups um kind of before the official testing but it was like right at the beginning of the beginning of when they started to do that but he never actually tested positive during the during any of the seasons so you know he's the greatest dh of all time and just what he did with the Red Sox over the course of his career uh, on the field and off was just incredible. And he was a clutch performer in the, in the playoffs, all of his big home runs in the you know, 
World Series and otherwise. Um, obviously, what sinks my heart is his performance in the 2004 ALCS against the Yankees when he pretty much just brought them back to life. Um, so I hated him at watching him as a Yankee fan, but it's, I just respect the, the hell out of him as a player. So that's got to break your heart to say something nice about Poppy. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he was just great. He's, I mean, he, it was hard to watch him just kick the hell out of the Yankees every time he went up there, but it's just a great player. So he's got to be in the hall of fame. Uh, for sure. And then uh, we also talked about Ramirez and A-Rod. I have hit those. Those are my next two. And, you know, some some voters, too, even don't even put all 10. They don't even use all 10 votes. But I would – I think 10, 10 guys deserve it. So I would go with 10 guys. Um, and then I got Scott Rowland, which we talked about earlier as well. And, and then Kurt Schilling. Uh, with you know, we talked about the character clause, but he's his numbers are just too good to be left out. Um, you now the whole all of his numbers in the postseason with the Red Sox, you know, obviously that's another one that I have to kind of swallow my tongue a little bit on that one too. Um, but then also my last one I would put in. I kind of same like some of the other ones like with the steroids are Sheffield and Sosa, um, and I just don't think they did enough uh, without steroids and just kind of relied on power to really have an argument to get in. That would be where I kind of draw the line where they just didn't do I, they didn't do as much as Bonds did to get or Ramirez or Arod or Ortiz. So. He, there's those two I would leave out for now. Maybe I would reconsider it when some of these guys get off, because then I have then I have more room. But right now I just don't have enough room to delete, to get them on. Um, and then the last one, Billy Wagner. Uh, the whole argument with you know relievers not being, you know, they kind of have an argument they don't want to put relievers in or whatever. But he was a great reliever, uh, probably one of the best of all time. And obviously he got the greatest of all time in Mariano Rivera that got unanimous a, couple, a few years ago. Um, and Wagner's gonna should be another one that gets in. Um, this maybe not this year, but hopefully one day, one year soon before he gets before he falls off. So those are the, those are my ten and. Some other guys I would consider, you know, once some of these guys fall off, I would consider uh, Torrey Hunter, like you talked about before. Uh, Jeff Kent's another one. Um, and then I also mentioned Sheffield and Sosa. And then maybe potentially Jimmy Rollins. Uh, he's got a kind of a, a little bit of a case. but oh. And then maybe even Mark Deshera, because, I mean, Injuries kind of, injuries plagued him, but he still was a great great player for the years he was healthy. So he's got somewhat of a case, at least. Yeah. No, I um, really wouldn't argue with any of the guys you put on there. And the tough part is, you know, is that I think more than 10 guys yeah. are worthy who are on the ballot right now. And that's why, like, if I had a vote, I'd kind of, you know, I'd kind of have to vote strategically, <clears throat> almost to, like, even though there's a guy I want to vote for, I know he's going to stay on the ballot another year, so I won't vote for him. Yeah. Because I want the, the 10 guys that, you know, that I think need my vote. You know, and that's the way these, this has to be because you have a 10-vote minimum. So, I mean, you can't vote. I, I honestly think maybe like 13, 14 guys to be in the Hall of Fame that are on the ballot. But if you can only vote for 10, you know, then that's the way you got to go. So, I mean, for my ballot, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and Sosa, they're all on their last year. I would vote them all. 
I'd give Sosa. I'd give Sosa the vote on his last year. I don't think he's going to make it, but I'd, I'd throw him the vote on his his final season on the ballot because all four of them are done after this year, one way or the other. So those four would definitely get my vote. Um, I know character clause notwithstanding. I mean, Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, all have Hall of Fame numbers. Sosa is borderline for me. But I would vote for him because of what he and McGuire did back in 1998 with the home run chase. The way they brought baseball back after the 94 strike that lasted into 1995. You had Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's record, which brought fans back. But then you had that home run chase. And that was, and we know ESPN is all, if it's not LeBron James or Tom Brady, they don't talk about it. Back then, in 1998, every at-bat of Sosa and Maguire, once they hit like 55 home runs, every single at-bat, ESPN would just cut to their at-bat. We'd go live to their at-bat to see if they hit a home run. I've never seen anything like it. And it's, it hasn't been done since. You know, Obviously, Bonds broke the record three years later, but I'm just saying... It, it captivated. It made everyone baseball fans. You know what I mean? There are some guys and sometimes in sports that captivate fans that aren't even fans of the game, but they know who they are. Even people who weren't baseball fans knew who McGuire and Sosa were that year. You know, and for that, I think Sosa should be there. As far as the rest of my ballot goes, Um, Kent and Sheffield would get my ballot, would get my vote. They're both heading toward the end of their candidacy on the ballot. Um, Sheffield's in his eighth year, Kent's in his ninth. I understand some of the, the, you know, with Sheffield with the Balco thing and, you know, he jumped teams here and there, but he was, he was a scary hitter, scary hitter. And I'm in a 907 career OPS, 500 home runs, you know, 1,600 ribbies, 1,600 runs. That's a lot. You know, almost 2,700 hits. I mean, the guy had a really good career. Granted, he wasn't the fielder, but he also had 253 stolen bases. So it's not like he couldn't run either. So I would I would give him a vote because I was I think he was a scary player. And for someone, you know, a lot of times I think the writers look at like, well, this guy played his whole career in one one place. And while that's noble and everything, I think it's even harder for guys to get traded and keep moving around and still produce at a high level. No matter what field they're in, no matter what stadium they're playing in, no matter what their home team is, they get new teammates every year. I think that might even be more difficult. So the fact that Sheffield traveled around and still did his thing, I give him my vote because I think his his numbers deserve it. And Kent was one of the best hitting second basemen ever. You know, and to think that, like, yeah, Ryan Sandberg, Robbie Alomar, Craig Biggio, like contemporaries of his, you know, pretty much, they're all in the Hall of Fame. Why is it Kent? You know, Kent gets blasted because of his defense. If you look at the numbers, he wasn't that bad of a defensive second baseman. He really wasn't. Granted, he wasn't Alomar, but he also has the most home runs by any second baseman, almost 2,500 hits, 1,500 ribbies. You know, he's one of the best second basemen. He's a top 10 second baseman all time, in my opinion. So I would put him in. So that makes six. Uh, Next up would be Andrew Jones. Like you said before, great 10-year peak um, with Atlanta. A dominant 10-year peak. Hitting, defense, everything. You know, I, I just hope he gets enough of a push because he doesn't have the 2,000 hits. He has a 254 career batting average, which doesn't look good to a lot of these. Even the 337 on-base percentage doesn't look great. You know, but... You know, I hope he gets enough of a push, especially on his defense. 
because the the overall career numbers are meh. Even the 400 home runs, he also played in that time with the steroids and stuff like that. Not that he's been implicated in a lot of that, but I'm just saying, like, it, everyone was home run happy at that time. So his his 400 home runs don't mean as much as if he did it in the 60s. But I would put Jones in. Um, David Ortiz, I'd put him in. I'd like to see him off the ballot. <laughs> and I think he has a chance to get be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And like you said, he's probably the best DH ever, although Edgar Martinez would have an argument. But yeah. being up here in Boston the past 15 years, I could tell you how much Ortiz means to this city. And it's like he said after the Boston bombing, this is our fucking city. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he, was, he was beloved up here. And what he did, you know, with the championships and everything like that, like, I mean, he is the man. He's the man up here, you know, and his postseason and, you know, just everything about him. He's larger than life, you know, and I actually met him. Uh, one of one of my ex-girlfriends was a nanny for uh, some kids in Newton when this is, oh, geez, this is like 10, 15 years ago. And um, she her the the kid she nannied for lived around the block from David Ortiz and his wife Tiffany in Newton Highlands in Massachusetts. And I remember going to a barbecue in David Ortiz's backyard where he's cooking hot dogs and hamburgers for like fifteen kids in the friggin' neighborhood. Wow. He's stand he's standing there at the grill. Like with a friggin' apron on. That's <laughs> David Ortiz. I'm like, oh. what, <laughs> dude? Uh, but it's just like he was just lodging a life, man. He was just like, you know, he definitely deserves to be in, without a doubt. And I'd like to get him in on the first ballot so he gets off the ballot, so it clears up some room for some other people. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. So I got two more, and the two more. Um, I'm going to put Mark Teixeira on. Oh, okay. I like Teixeira, and I think he deserves another look. Mm-hmm. Not sure if he's a Hall of Famer, but he's close. And I think, you know, I think he deserve, he, he definitely deserves another look. At, you know, at his, he was a great defensive first baseman, five gold gloves. As some, as some solid career numbers. You know, 869 OPS, almost 1,300 ribbies. You know, he doesn't have the 2,000 hits, which is which will be a ding for a lot of voters. But, you know, switch hitter. So if you put him along with some of the other switch hitting first basemen, like Eddie Murray and stuff like that, you know, he, you know, he looks pretty good. So I'd like to give him another shot on the ballot. So I'm going to give him a vote. And... My last guy is Billy Wagner. I'm sorry, Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu. Oh, okay. I have to put Abreu on there. I have to put Abreu on there. Wagner's trending up. Abreu's Abreu's only like eight to ten percent. Yeah. And I I want to make sure Abreu stays on a ballot. It's tough because I love Tory Hunter, but yeah, I, I think Abreu is a better player overall, much better hitter. Oh yeah. Um. But. I, I need to make sure Abreu stays on the ballot so he gets another year, another shot next year. And I'm worried that he might fall off. So I have to give him my vote. The guys I didn't vote for, who I would vote for, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, but really don't need my help this year Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Manny Ramirez, and Alex Rodriguez. Those five guys didn't get my vote, but I think they should all be in the Hall of Fame. But I just didn't vote for them because I think they should be in, but they don't need my help. Staying on the ballot. You know? So, that's why I picked the 10 I picked. Because it's got to be strategic, because I think 15 guys should be in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) I mean, you know, at this point, 
I mean, a lot of guys can make arguments for Pettit, Mark Burley, Tim Hudson, Jimmy Rollins, Hunter, you know, whoever, even Vizquel, who's fallen way off, but. And there are arguments to be made, but I just don't, I just don't see Pettit, Burley, or Hudson. I don't either. Getting it. I, I. You know, they were all really good. They were, yeah, they for were a the, while. They were in the hall of really good. That's the thing. They were good for a while. Same thing with Hunter. Tory Hunter, I mean, nine goal gloves. He was a great, great defensive center fielder. And, and, you know, his offense wasn't that great in the beginning. Of his, his offense got better. His defense got worse when he went to the Angels. And, it, like, I did his Hall of Fame case. And it's, it's close with him. And I love Tory. And again, someone like him, who's a borderline case, he was beloved like, everywhere he went. The big smile, like he loved playing the game. It was a great teammate, you know, from all accounts and stuff like that. And, you know, you give him that latitude, you give him, you give him that little push. But even so, uh, he's, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's borderline for me. He's real borderline. So is Jimmy Rollins. Very borderline for me. Rollins had a great, he had a great couple of years. That one incredible year when he won the MVP, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. Like, you know, he was incredible. Aside from that year, though, he wasn't anything really special. He was really good, but I don't know. I don't think it was anything to write home about, you know. That's where I stand on those. Yeah, it's tough with these, you know, only getting 10 votes, which is why I just don't understand why they not like all voters don't go that route to vote for all 10. Cause it's like, you don't even, I don't even, I feel like I don't have enough to enough votes. Like I need to, I need, I want to have more because you want, like, I feel like you just like you, like there's 15 guys on here that could be in the hall of fame. I just right, right. Uh, like even not maybe maybe it won't even be in the Hall of Fame, but like need my vote to stay on to get another look next year. Yeah, exactly. And next year, that's the thing. See, this year it'll be great this year because Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and Sosa are all off the ballot, one way or the other. They either get voted in or they're done. Yeah. And if Ortiz gets voted in too. You got five guys off the ballot, and there's only one guy next year, really, who's worth, I mean, a couple of questionable, but the only guy who I would say is Hall of Fame worthy was Carlos Beltran. Yeah. He's the only guy coming on the, on the ballot next year. There's no one else that's that's really even close. I'm actually going to take a look at it. Yeah, I can't remember who else was on there. I'm going to take a look at it right now. Um, yeah, Beltran, John Lackey, Jared mm-hmm. Weaver, Jacoby Ellsbury, yeah. <laughs> Matt Matt Kane, Johnny Peralta, Jason uh-huh. Wirth, J.J. Hardy, Mike Napoli, Aaron Hill. I mean... Yeah, yeah that's... You know, there's a... We're not Frank. Oh, K. Rod, Frankie Rodriguez, Andre Ethier. I mean, Houston Street. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no one here. Beltran's no. the only one. Yeah, Beltran's the only one. Lackey's, Lackey's not close. Uh-huh. Weaver's not close. You know, the Ellsbury's not close. Ellsbury's not even, he's way. He doesn't even have five thousand at bats. I mean, you know, come on already. He fell off the face of the earth. Matt Cain's got a career losing record. I mean, you know, I know wins and losses aren't a pitcher stat, but nevertheless, you have a losing record. I mean, <laughs> you know, really, yeah. This none of these guys. I and I love Jason Worth. I think Jason Worth was a real good player for for a good a good stretch there, but not even fifteen hundred hits. He's not getting in. No, no. You know, none of these guys are. Yeah. 
Well, this year, like yeah, none of these guys are close. Beltran's the only one. This year could end up being a really big class because they already had what was it three was it three or four guys that got in for the veterans committee. So six or was it six? Yeah. Oh six yeah. So if, you know, if, well, two of them were uh, Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill. So oh yeah. Those were the the early baseball, and then they had uh, Gil Hodges, Jimmy Cott, Manny Minoso, and Tony Oliva. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Couple of twins actually. It was oh, nice. Okay. That's nice. I'm still pissed Dick Allen didn't get in. Oh, I should, yeah, I know me too. He should have got in. Oh, my God. There are some guys, man. I could write an article of like probably 40 guys that should be in the Hall of Fame that never got in. That's ridiculous. But yeah. that's for another time. <laughs> there could end up being like 10 guys that get elected this year. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I haven't looked at the um so let me take a look right now. At the Hall of Fame tracker that Thibodeau does. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, let me take a look. I'm taking looking it up right now. Let's see where we're at. Ortiz, Bonds, and Clemens right now. Uh, Ortiz, Ortiz is at eighty three point four. Bonds is at 80.7. Clemens at 79.3. Scott Rollins at 71.7. Huh. That's Schilling, Schilling's at 57.9. Helton, 56.6. Sheffield, 51. Jones, 50.3. Wagner, 47.6. A-Rod, 44.8. Ramirez, 40.7. Kent, 28.3. Sosa, 26.9. He's not going to make it. Abreu, 12.4. Jimmy Rollins, 11.7. Andy Pettit, 11. Vizquel, 8.3. And then after that, guys fighting for the 5%. Mark Burley, 4.8. Ooh, right on, right on the mark. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see him stay on the bat. I, I mean, I honestly think Burley and Pettit are very similar. The way they pitched and everything like that, I, I think they were very similar. Even their stats, if you look at their career stats, I mean, Pettit had more wins because he played on a better team. You know, but Burley does have the ring in 05. He's got a perfect game. He was a workhorse, 200 innings, 13 years in a row. I mean, you know, I think they were very similar, Burley and Pettit. Joe Nathan, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Joe Nathan's got 2.8. Tim Hudson's got 2.8. Oh, man. What's... Lincecum, 2.1. Ryan Howard, 2.1. Torrey Hunter, 1.4. Oh. Yeah. Teixeira, 0. 0.7. Oh, wow. Man. He's not even going to stay on, is he? Yeah, I That's... don't think so. Well, I'd give him my vote just to say, you know, it only takes a few. Votes to keep them on a ballot because 25% out of 400 ballots is only 20, 20 votes. So, yeah, if he can get 20 votes, he stays on the ballot for one more year. But, yep, that's the way that's the way it looks right now. It's 138, 145 total ballots. So, 30, 37% of the ballots that are counted that's what the percentage is. Right now, it's Ortiz, Bonds, and Clemens are making it. A Roland will finish just shy. But Roland's only on his, what, sixth year, fifth year? So yeah. I think Roland will get in. Yeah, he should. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't vote for him this year. He's, he's got, he doesn't need my help. Him, Helton, Jones, they don't need my help. Although I did vote for Jones, but... I don't know. And there you have it. Live update from the Baseball Hall of Fame, Jack. <laughs> well, we got three. It's like less than three weeks till they announce it. Yeah, January 25th. I think it's 6 o'clock Eastern time on MLB Network, I think. Something like that. Yeah. 
yeah, we'll have to do another another pod after the announcement or something. Well, we want to start once we finish these Hall of Fame cases. We wanted to start. Raphael had that uh, idea for uh, doing a a series about um, guys who were still playing Hall of Fame traje- trajectory, so to speak. Like who will get in? Like a Hall of Fame case, basically for active players. Oh yeah, that's cool. You know, take a look at. Obviously, like someone like Pujols will get in, you know, Cabrera. But take a look at, you know, say Mike Trout, maybe Mookie Betts, guys like that. Even guys who were at the end of their career, Cole Hamels, John Lester, Zach Greinke, Berlander, Scherzer. You got a lot of guys who are like on the back end of their careers now. Like, what's their Hall of Fame case? Yeah. You know? That'd be, that'd be kind of interesting pod, too, if we get Raphael on there, because it was his idea. Yeah, that's I like that idea. That'd be interesting to talk about, like, you know, what the Hall of Fame ballot might look like in, say, 10 years. You know, who who will we be voting for? Who will we be, we be talking about? Yeah, Aaron Judge is one. Yeah, I think he needs a little more time to. Same thing with Mookie. Like, I, even though I threw his name out there, I would say guys who are eligible now, who have been in the league for ten years, because mm-hmm. he needs to be in the league ten years. I would say we'll look at guys like that, like guys who have been in the league ten years. See where you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Like what they need to do the rest of their career, or like how they stand now, or you know whatever. Because you look at like guys like Burley and Pettit now, and then you look at some of the guys, these guys like John Lester. You know, he's got a few rings. Was a solid pitcher for a long time, but never dominant. You know what I mean? Like he was never that dominant guy, but he's that big lefty, that guy that just got outs, that won games, that pitched well in the postseason. He kind of fits that Pettit and Burley mode. The same type of pitcher. Same thing with Hamels. You know, you look at careers like that and eh, I don't know. But, you know, that's that's for another pod. Dive into the numbers. Yeah, after this after this Hall of Fame is over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully we have pitchers and catchers reporting in a month. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. It's not looking good. Yeah, we haven't heard. I haven't heard any, anything new lately about if they're even that, having discussions or anything. Like, there hasn't been anything new. Yeah, as far as I know, Passon Passon just tweeted something out. I think yesterday or this morning. That they haven't had any substantial discussions at all. Wow. And a lockout was December 1st. It's over a month now. You're not even talking? Yeah, really. You know? Pitchers and catchers report in a little over a month. I mean, it's usually around Valentine's Day. So we got like a month, and that's when the pressure is going to be on. And I'm telling you, man, I already talked to a friend of mine in, in Jersey that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a big Met fan, you know, looking forward to this year, obviously, because the Mets made all these big signings in the offseason. You know, they tend to shoot themselves in the foot anyway during the season, but whatever. But, I mean, he's excited about Scherzer and everybody, like, you know. And he's like, honestly, he's like, if they if they ruin the beginning of the season, I'm, not, I'm just not watching. I'm not going to any games. I'm not doing any of this stuff. Sick of it. So, and that's just one person. Yeah. And that's someone who's a fan. You're trying to gain more fans. This is the last thing you need is a lockout. Well, oh, to stop yeah. the season. Yeah. I mean, we had, that in, we had that in 2020 with the COVID. We didn't start yeah. the season until July. 
And that was bad enough. And all the owners were bitching about all that. You know, now you're doing this to yourselves now. You know, ruining the game and making it worse. So they got to get their, you know, their heads out of their asses on both sides and work to some sort of agreement. Even if it's a three-year agreement, work to a three-year agreement, see how it works out. I understand some of these things like the game, like, you know, pace of play and blah, 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 and like all this stuff. Okay. Well, try it out. Put it in place for a couple of years and see how it works out. Revisit it in three years. Why does the CBA have to be like 10 years long? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't necessarily have to be that long. Do it for three years. Let's see what happens. You know. If we're all happy, then Manfred will be gone by then anyway. So we'll be all good. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Uh, Well, let's get the Eagles game. Yeah. They're already scored. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Minshew Mania is going on tonight. There you go. Yeah, we're going to cut this right at an hour, so that was good good timing. Um, yeah. So thanks again for tuning in to this latest episode of Too Much Pod Tar. You can find myself on Twitter at Alex Keeler, as always. You can find Johnny on Twitter at JBall0202. And, of course, find Primetime Sports Talk on there at Primetime – or what is it? I forget the name of the, the main thing. It's uh, at Talk Primetime or at PTST News. Yeah. And then find all of our articles. You know, we have our, we talked about the Hall of Fame stuff, of course. So we have all our Hall of Fame cases coming out, finishing those up. And then diving into some of the pro- the top five prospect articles as well. And like we said, the, you know, the current players. Hall of Fame uh, discussion uh, articles too, and we're getting to some of that discussion as well on this podcast. We're start talking about some of the other stuff that's going on. If we ever get to a new CBA agreement, we'll talk about stuff that going into the season, like free agent signings, trades, all that good stuff. And yeah, just a reminder: you can never have too much pod tar. And hope to hope to talk to you soon. About our actual season. Uh, peace out. You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock. You can move a mountain, you can break rocks. You can be a master, don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you can find yourself. You can run the mile You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero You can get the gold Breaking all the records they thought never could be broke Yeah, do it for your people Do it for your pride And you're never gonna know if you never even try Do it for your country Do it for your name Cause there's gonna be a day when you're Standing in the Hall of Fame And the world's gonna know your name Champions, did